not about here and now. I've been saved from here and now so that one day there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. If our, if our focus is on what, how our life is going here, you may never worship the Lord. See, sometimes that's what happens. Our, some guests come in or they're people who they don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They think, well, you know, is this going to make my life better tomorrow? Maybe not. You, you still got a job. You still got to do these things. But the Lord will set you free from sin. You don't have to be a slave to sin no more. You can be washed. You can be born again. Uh, water and spirit. You can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can have a new creation and a new kingdom placed within you. You see, man is all about the temporal. And if we're not careful in the church, we'll start worshiping God based on our... See, that's what happiness is. I've said it a hundred times. Happiness is tied to happenings. That's why it's not the happiness of the Lord is our strength. It's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. Because joy is not tied to happenings. Joy is a fruit of the very Spirit of God. And we can have joy, not because everything's going great. If you remain standing with me, I wanted to do something real quick. They're going to put, uh, put something up on the screen here, uh, and uh, I appreciate their help today. 36,000 young Christians gathered in St. Louis to find purpose and identity in the Word of God. North American youth face a growing identity crisis. Over 300,000 American teenagers identify as the opposite sex. While drug overdoses and suicides are the leading causes of death for young Americans, claiming over 72,000 alone as loneliness spreads across Generation Z. These social contagions are fueled by the declining numbers in church attendance nationwide, especially among young people. Surveys by Gallup and Pew Research show that increasing majorities of millennials and Gen Zers do not belong to a church or attend services at all. And are sizable, and a sizable minority are now religiously unaffiliated, leading one writer to question if Generation Z should actually be called Generation Atheist. Yet in the midst of these problems, many youth have found purpose and identity in something greater. 30, I'm reading, I'm reading from this article. I'm reading from this article. You can find this on, you can find this on the Daily Wire. Daily Wire is a, is a news publication. You submit to it. It's an app. You can get it. You can send emails, whatever they do, but that's where you get it. Daily Wire. Yet in the midst of this, many youth have found purpose and identity in something greater. 36,000 teens and young adults from across the continent gathered this last week for North American Youth Congress, also known as NAYC. It's a biannual event that seeks to inspire young people to find purpose in faith and in community service. Back home, many of these students and their parents face intense cultural battles in their, in their school districts. Michael Thomas, the general youth president, said it is through our relationship with God and His Word that certain questions about our identity can be settled, our direction and our purpose in life can be answered, and we can live the whole and complete life that we were intended to live through Jesus Christ. I am so thankful to have had our, our students and our young adults be able to be a part of what took place in St. Louis this last week. And I just want to give thanks unto the Lord. Can we do that? Can we just show some gratitude to the Lord for where our students were this week? Lord, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, Lord, where we, where we set ourselves and where we are anchoring ourselves is in your word. 
I appreciate it, Lord. We thank you so very much. I want to say, uh, as you're turning to the book of Haggai chapter 2, I'm just going to preach from the scripture. That was the theme all week at NAYC for our next generation service. Uh, I want to say thank you to our, to our leaders. I want to say thank you uh, to Brother Jake, Sister Lauren, uh, for your, your taking this on. Thank you so very much. I appreciate the work that you did. I know that it's a... I know that it's a work week. We talked about it before. I said, you know, it's a work week. Uh, there's no vacation. There's no rest. It's a work week. Uh, somebody asked one of the youth leaders, uh, how's your vacation going? He said, it ain't a vacation. And, uh, and I want to say to Jake, Brother Jake, Sister Lauren, I know some of the challenges that you faced even up until the last hours that people may not even know about. And I want to say that uh, you didn't blame anybody. Uh, you didn't. Uh, you didn't. You didn't cast blame. You didn't tell me, hey, this happened because so and so. You did everything that you could to take up the slack. And I want to say that uh, uh, again. And, and many things go behind the scenes that nobody knows nothing about. So I want to. I want to encourage you. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. Uh, and I just want to say to our chaperones, thank you for going along, for helping and doing everything that you did. And I know uh, we will debrief as they are debriefing tomorrow with the National Youth Committee. I'm sure they're going to talk about the things that where they can tighten up, and we'll do the same. And, but uh, it's been a great, great privilege to be able to be a part of that. And then to watch our students uh, take the service today in some of their ages. We don't have the, the biggest. We didn't have the biggest crowd down there. And, but I am thank. I'll tell you right now, uh, I'm not looking for the best talent here. I'm thankful for talent, and I pray that we use it. But another one of our students, let me tell you something. Our goal is to get you into a personal relationship with God that neither height nor depth nor principality nor power nor anything in society will be able to separate you from God. And along the way, along the way, if you can play a piano for the Lord, we'll use you. Along the way, if you can do this, if you can minister, we'll use you. We'll help you serve. We'll let you, we'll let you minister to the body. But our main goal is to get you to heaven. Haggai chapter 2. One verse, verse number nine. It's simply, I'll read it with you. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. I always like it when the Lord says something. And in this place will I give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. And that was the theme for NAYC. It was glory. And I just want to minister how I feel the Lord dealt with me uh, about this week. And so I appreciate you being here. Be seated in the name of the Lord. Thank you for being here today. You know, um, I enjoyed going to NAYC. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of the person, pastor might talk more than I, than I actually, what we would call preach today. Of course, those are preacher's famous last words. Can you open that for me? I won't be long and I don't plan on preaching. Well, you know what that means. Settle in and turn the mic down. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Pastor and Sister Spooner, we, we went and we, we like to go to these things. We like to be a part of it. But we also like to give liberty and freedom to our students to be able to, you know, I see you all during service. I see you each week. And uh, it's good to be able to, to go to these services. And uh, the very first night 
I'm all for praying with people. I think we ought to do more of that, to be honest with you. I think uh, we ought to be gathered around the altar, and I think uh, it's a good time to, to minister to one another in prayer, lay a hand on a brother, a hand on a sister, and, and pray, students with students, and so on and so forth, and families. I think we ought to, at the end of a service, uh, bring these things before the Lord and pray more often, laying on hands with one another and and, uh, and, and getting in the boat and starting to row. Your life might be uh, A-OK, but they might be, they might be tempted. They might be going through some stuff. They, you know, in the world, we're going to have tribulation, um, and we need one another. And we, the best thing we could do for one another is empathize and know that we're in the, we're in the same boat together. And that neither one of us are any better than the other. That, that I, I don't have, I'm not standing, listen, I'm not standing here because I've got it all together. I'm only standing here because God graced me enough and called me to be a pastor. And by his grace, I've been able to do enough things to allow God to continue to use me. I've just been obedient to his word. That's all, that's all we endeavor to do. And God lifts one up and he sets another down. And so we don't look for these things. And I I thought to, uh, as the first night was going on, the spirit was moving as it did in every service, and, and uh, we always like to pray for them. And I, and I felt to go over, and I, I wanted to, to pray with some, and, and I wanted to speak a word to them, and, and I felt as though the Lord just, just nudged me because the service was about hearing the voice of God, hearing his voice. And I felt as though the Lord just kind of direct me and kind of, you know, you get ready to go do something, and I just kind of felt the Lord go, just put his hand on my, just kind of go, just hold on a second. Let, um, you mind if I do it? type thing, not ever trying to, to, to muscle God out, but just trying to do that, and I, and I felt as though the Lord said, me, said to me, let them hear my voice, if they, they'll hear your voice, but if they can hear my voice, if I can get through to them with my voice, and I, because he reminded me of all the times that I heard his voice. And every time I heard his voice, it's got a way of piercing through. It's got a way of making all the difference in the world. And so instead of praying for them, I just started praying, Lord, let them hear your voice. Give them ears to hear. Give them eyes to see and give them a heart to do the work. Give them a heart to do it. Let them hear your voice. I felt as though the Lord encouraging me to trust the process. And I want to encourage uh, all of our parents, our grandparents, and this church, trust God's process. There is a price in the process. Not the price for salvation. We don't have to pay that. He did. He paid the price for salvation. But there is a price of discipleship. There is a price of following Christ. There is a cost to it. You know, we as a society, my wife, if you're in the school system, and, and it's not bashing the teachers, and, and I'm not, that's not what this is about. But if you're in society, you see it front hand with parents and children in the school system. But I'll tell you where you also see it. You see it in the churches. Because you have the school systems, and then you have the churches, which are always dealing with children and parents. You see it a lot in both of those areas. And we, as a society uh, in the world, have kind of developed and we have this, um, there is this pressure on us parents and grandparents to take away every struggle that our children may come up against. We don't like to watch them struggle. We don't like to watch them cry. We don't like to watch them have to deal with difficult situations and in many times we step in and we want to take it away from them. 
And the pressure is, and or if we have to discipline them, if we have to say no, God forbid. That is still in the dictionary, right? No. Brother Pace, I think, I think no is still in the dictionary, right? We ain't wrote that one out yet. It's still there. Bless God. It's right after fit or before fit. Uh, a prerequisite to a fit. No. We, tell, we don't want to tell them no. Maybe discipline. We, want to, but we, 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 have, a, we have a fear and a, a little bit of a, a trepidation that's upon us to allow our children to struggle. Pastors feel this. They, they sometimes want to step in. I know I, I'm a Mr. Fix-It guy. I figure if we, can, if we have an issue and we can fix it in five seconds, then we're done. We're moving forward. Let's, let's move on, man. Let's, let's get this thing. I'm a results-oriented guy. Chris Wright can read my mail, and he can tell you what I'm going to say next. He, they, people who study that stuff know all that. I'm a fix-it guy, but there's some things I, that a pastor and nobody else can fix in the life of a born-again believer. I'm here to tell you something. There are things paramountly in our life that God himself wants to be your savior. He wants to be your God. He wants to be not your chum buddy. No, he wants to be your deliverer. He wants to be your joy. He wants to be your peace. He wants to be your assurance. And we have to come to trust the process. We have pressures in our lives as parents and grandparents and even pastors uh, that if we don't, then our children might not love us and they might not confide in us uh, or etc. or whatever deceptive lie the enemy is peddling to us. You know, the Bible simply said, if you love somebody, you chasten them. If you love somebody, you admonish them. And if you love somebody, you nurture them. And maybe we would do ourselves better if we had a balance of all of those. I'm an admonition guy. I'm going to admonish you to do something. All that, all that uh, nourish, nourish, you know, all that uh, nurturing stuff we leave to the women, to the grandmas and the moms. But you know the Bible tells men to nurture the children. But it's in the book that we need to be nurturers too. We need to, and we gotta, we gotta trust the process. Of God. You see, because struggle is where the strength comes from, ladies and gentlemen. Students, I want to tell you something. Young ladies, young men, uh, our, 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 our students, our uh, young ones that are still in the Sunday school classes, our young adults, I'm telling you something. Struggle is where strength comes from. And it does not take a riot rocket scientist to see that society is creating a soft, easily offended society. You can see that. It's called woke. That's not a political term. They just made it political. Woke basically in its essence. Now, they'll tell you it's about injustice. And I'm, I'm telling you something. Injustice is injustice. And there are some things mankind is not going to figure out. Now, the Bible tells us how to treat one another. We ought to just stay to that book. All right? We ought to just stay to how, how the Bible teaches us to do that. But that's not what wokeism is. It's not really about injustice. It's about really eliminating any offense at all. Don't want to be offended. So we're going to not do anything that would look like it would go against you. You know, I, I, have, I have a message. I've got young preachers right here, and I don't know which one I want to preach. Lord, lead me. Who's got the message? Can we do this? I cannot worry about somebody being offended and say, well, I'm going to make sure you get your fair share and do out of fear of offense. That's the wrong way to operate the house of God. 
But there's pressure for that because we live in a society that is creating these things. A brief side road here. You know, that wokeness pressure is also in the church. We have an anxiety over offending anybody. You know, we don't want to offend anybody. We, we want to try to keep everybody. Let me just stay from the shoulder. I, 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 I believe that if we plant and we water, that God will give the increase. And I think that if our focus starts getting, if our focus gets and remains where it needs to be, the numbers are going to take care of themselves. It's not about the number. It is about getting people in a relationship with God. I want you to know one person when you leave here, you can forget my name. You can forget who sang. You can forget if they missed a note. But if you get in contact with the God of heaven, if you get linked up with him, if he can speak to you, if you can hear him, because he's the only one that's awake 24 hours. He's the only one that never sleeps. He's the only one that does not know how to fail. He's the only one that's holy. And you see, what makes God's power great is it's holy power. That means he cannot use it in an evil manner. He's holy. That wokeness pressure has come to the church. There's an anxiety over offending. We, we don't want to offend one another, and we don't want to... We don't, we, don't want to, uh, we, we don't want to say anything, and we, don't, we, don't, we just don't want to. And sometimes we're better off not to say things. There's some things that don't just need to be handled. You just go home and pray about them. Because let me guess you, what's, who's better to fix the issue? You or the Lord? You, hear me. Oh, this is, put this one, in your, put this one in on your mirror. Do you know the Lord, do you know the issues that the Lord would like for you to fix? That he's okay with you fixing? Your own. No, 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 you're not saving yourself, but the things that God tells you, get this right, he wants you to get that right. And when you've got the moat taken out, when you've got the log taken out of your eye, then the Lord said, now you might be able to see clearly to help the brother with the, with the splinter, that the little thing that's in his eye. Man, it's amazing doing it by the owner's manual how much easier it is. Something about, he, he must think he's the creator. He must think, he knows how we're going to think. He must think, how, he, must, he must know the way that we take. He must know our uprisings and our down sittings. Seems like that's somewhere in the owner's manual. What we need to understand is offenses will come, mom and dad, grandma, grandparents, Sunday school teacher, young people, students, our hyphen group. Offenses will come. Jesus said, uh, Peter said, how many times should I forgive my brother when he offends me, when he comes against? He said, seven times? He said, oh, 70 times 70 because offenses are coming. And that doesn't mean that somebody literally is going to do it, but what it also means is that it's going to play in your mind over and over. And every time, here's it, every time it comes into your mind that your brother did something to you or he offended you, you know what you do? You forgive him. Every time, if it happens 490 times in our mind, he just did, I forgive him. And it comes back against you. You know that brother, he's a scout. I forgive him. I just, I'm going to keep on doing it. Seven, whatever it takes. Offenses are going to come. Ladies and gentlemen, i got to get quickly on the side road. Hurt might be inevitable. There are some things where hurt may happen. We have to trust the process of God. Here's the thing. Here's, here's why I want you to look at hurt. Hurt may be inevitable. We don't look for it. We don't like it. And we don't, we don't want it. But you know the only thing that doesn't want it is the flesh. Because when we hurt, our ego is bruised. And, and, and our agendas are, are sacrificed. And, and our ideas. And that's really what gets hurt. What gets hurt is us. Our ideals. Our thoughts, our processes. 
And mankind just is not going to get along with that because mankind's going to, there's a way that seems right to a man, and this one wants to do it this way, this one wants to do it. It's called politics. And then we work on how we get our way done. And eventually it becomes corrupt. Hurt might happen, but here's what I want you to focus on. How we heal from that hurt is what's paramount. If we decide to heal ourselves by putting up walls, by putting up walls and refusing and just, just putting up our own barriers and, and, uh, and, and putting up our own safeguards and, and uh, I'm just going to shut my brother out, I'm going to shut my sister out. You know what happens? You might heal, but when that heals, it's going to be scar tissue there. And scar tissue is dead tissue. And you have no sensitivity anymore there. And when you don't have any sensitivity, we get in a bad spot with God. But if you'll let the Lord heal you, if you'll just take that hurt to the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to heal my hurt. I know in your word, my brother might not even know that he done this. My sister might not even know that this happened. I know some things were said about me this week. I know some things that come across the wire, and you hear about those things. And I, I appreciate the people who, who keep some of those things away from me, hear stuff. But, but when you hear them, man, it cuts to the heart. But here's what I do. I say, Lord, it's not my brother. It's not my brother. That's just the enemy trying to work through him. I know you died for that soul, and, and I want you to heal me, Lord, because here's what happens when the Lord heals you. It heals right. It heals right. Can I, hear, can I hear an amen in the house? I've tried to heal some things in myself, but it's made me unsensitive to my brother. It's made me put up walls to my brother. It's not allowed me to trust the process of God. Oh, is there not a balm in Gilead? The Bible said, is there not a healing balm? He said, get the eye salve from me. Get, the, get it from me. Hurt is inevitable, but if we'll let Jesus heal us, we can become sensitive in ways that we can empathize. And man, the Lord's healing process. Listen, when the Lord heals, he heals whole. He knows how to do it. He knows how to do it. I'll say this and move on. You know, the very walls that we put up against our brother and our sister, and you know, listen, I don't, I don't go fishing with just everybody in the church. I love, I love people, but I got family members. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to spend, you know, whatever. Okay? But there's a difference between saying, you know, we're just not the, and putting walls up. And you know when you're putting a wall up. Because if you got the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will tell you you're putting a wall up. You're putting a wall up. But when you put walls up, you also prevent, when you, what, what, that situation you're putting the wall up against is also preventing the Lord from coming in and healing that situation in your life. It's also preventing the Lord from doing his work for whatever it's worth. Uh, the commercialization of America, through that we have become consumers in our day and age. We're all consumers. The industries, we've read studies on it, preached about it. The commercialization, the industrialization of America Corporations have designed things to wear out so that you are a constant consumer, constantly needing products and services. And thus, companies fight to provide for people in our society. In restaurants and businesses and stuff closes all over the place, maybe because they couldn't provide the right service or nobody wanted that service. And so they have to close and their, their venture is gone. And, and uh, they, have a, they have a phrase the customer 
is always, okay. You ever been one of those customers felt you were all always right? I know I get that way in a restaurant every once in a while. Oh, don't look at me with those halos on your head. <laughs> the customer's always right. But that spirit of consumerism, I'm talking to our next generation right here. I'm talking to our parents. I'm talking to our trust in God, trust in God to do the process. That spirit inevitably comes to the church doors as well. And there's a pressure that comes on the church to provide everything that anybody might need. And I'm all for ministries. I'm all for ministries as long as we have the resources and the, and the laborers to do it that we're not calling out of the harvest. I don't, think we should, I don't think we should leave the harvest. I don't think we should leave the harvest. I don't think the harvest is what has to suffer so that we can attend to the grain that's already been gathered. As long as we have the resources, I'm all for ministries. I'm all for all of our young, our, our, our students. I want you to develop. Matter of fact, we'd like to have a, a bass player and a guitar player so we can get a couple of these older guys, I mean, these more seasoned guys that are over here in student service, you know, maybe, maybe fit you in there. You know, and, and, I, and I think they still play with trombones and trumpets and things like that. So if you'd like to play those things, we'd love to have you do it unto the Lord. I'm so thankful for that. I'm, I'm thankful for those things. I'm thankful for all the ministries. But understand this, God is not a business owner. And we are not his customers. The local churches are not his storefronts that he puts up so that he can sell his product to the world. God is not a business owner. And we are not his customers. He is the almighty creator. And he answers to no one. You want to know how to take another level with God? Understand that God doesn't owe me anything. God, you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me an answer. You don't owe me an explanation. You don't owe me nothing. I am dust from and I'm going back to dust. I came into this world with nothing. I'm going out with nothing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God doesn't owe us anything. You think the, 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 the thing in the world, you owe me an explanation and you owe me. I wonder if we can make up in our mind right now. Can we spend about the next 10 seconds really getting honest with God and saying, God, you don't owe me anything. God, you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe me anything. You want to know what the scripture says that he owes? He said if we pray according to his word, he hears us. According to his will. Ah, uh, we don't have things because when we want them, we want to consume them upon our own self. We want to consume them upon our own lust. We want to know God can do this because it makes me better. It does this. We are not God's customers. We are not God's customers. Listen, students. Listen to all our students and all of our next generation. God did not spend any time pumping up Moses. He didn't say, Moses, you can do it. Moses, you've got talent. Moses, I've already, I'm telling you, Moses, there ain't nobody like you. You can do it, Moses. God didn't spend any time with that. Please hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. No, what he did was simply told Moses what he was going to do and what Moses and what he was expecting to do, and Moses just simply took God at his word. I'm not trying to be mean here, but the creator of the universe is not into customer service. He has given 
given us heaven. He has taken us from hell. He has taken us from death and he is offering us life. And I'm not trying to be mean, but our God is not in the customer service. It's a take it or leave it. And I don't know about you, but I want to take it. I want to grab hold of it. I want to have what he's got. I want to have what he's got. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, in society and mainstream religion, they got all kinds of focuses, but I'm just gonna, I'm just you, I'm just gonna go by the book and I'm I'm hastening, I'm right into it right here. I'm hastening down to landing gears down. Colossians 2 and 7. This is what the book said. Rooted and built up in him. You want some pumping up? It's in him. You see, he's got the name that's above every name. And he's the heir of all things. But when we're in him, we have become heirs with Christ. You want to get pumped up for God? It's all in him. You want to be built up? Listen, you can be built up in the ways of the world. That's all fine and dandy. But everything that you can put your finger on. Oh, even this. Look at this. this now this is going to upset some people. This thing, this is, this is a Bible right here. This thing's going to burn. But you know where it doesn't burn? It's what of this is right down in here. They take Bibles away from people in China, but you know what they do before they take the Bibles? These people memorize them, and they get it so far down in their spirit. They say, you can take this Bible, everything, you can take this printed word, and I, that's not sacrilegion. You know, there's people who, say, who do this, and they're so sacred to their Bible that they never even open it because they don't want dust to get on it. That's not what God wants. God wants this written in our heart. God wants you to know him, and that's the way you're built up. To our students, to our parents, trust the process. And the process is you're rooted and you're built up in him. Established in the faith as you've been taught. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. And verse number 8 says this. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. They're going to come around and they're going to tell you there's a better way to do church. There's a better way to do it. There's a be- oh my my. There's a better way to draw people. And I'm all for guest experience. I am all for relating to society to try to sow the seed. I'm all for that. But at the end of the day, it's not the song that will do it. It is, it, it's not the song that will do it. It's not the preacher that will do it. You want to know what I want for this local congregation? That when people walk into this building, they say Jesus is in this place. The Spirit is in this place. I don't care the song we sing. I don't care what word was preached. As long as it's truth, Jesus is in the building. Because Colossians 2.10 says this. Listen, students. There was a lot of stuff that went on at AYC. There's a lot of, and we had to do it. They had a platform there. If they didn't put them on a platform, if they didn't do all that stuff, if they didn't have microphones and they didn't do all that stuff, we wouldn't have been able to hear them. But I'm going to tell you something. That's not where the glory is. There's nothing wrong with setting it up to proclaim the message, but that's not where the glory is. Some of us see the glory say, I want to be that man up there preaching. No, you don't. 
if you want to be it, you're already missing it. Because there's not a one of them up there that I know of that are doing that that ever said, yeah, I wanted to do this. You heard the testimonies. I ran from God. I didn't want to do it. God almost had to crash my plane. That's not where the glory is. Jesus, woo, man, we had revival. What happened, boys? I mean, the devils were subject to us in your name. We raised the dead. We, the devils were fleeing. I'm telling you what, we were taking ground. We were, we were storming the gates of hell with a bazooka. They weren't stopping us, and the Lord said, well, that's good, boys, but don't rejoice over that glory. If you really want to rejoice over something, rejoice that your name is written up in heaven. Rejoice that that's where you're going to be. Rejoice where that's where you're at. Because Colossians 2 and 10 says, you are complete in him. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I, somebody's got to hear the voice of the Spirit. You're not complete because you're a piano player. You're not, you're not complete because you teach a Sunday school class. You're not going to be complete because you're a preacher. You're not going to be complete because you're a leader of something. You are going to be complete because you're in him. And if you're in him, he'll take care of the rest of ministry. He'll put you where you need to be. He'll put you in front of kings. He'll put you in front of millionaires. He'll put you wherever he wants to put you. You want a healthy, powerful church? You want a healthy, powerful city and a, and, a, and, a, and a people on fire for God? Understand where we are complete. We're complete in him. We are not complete because we want to look like the people or be like the people that we just saw this week. And I thank God for them. I pray their ministries will flourish, and I pray that it does that. I, I pray all of those things. I think it's healthy for the organization, and we, need to, and we need to have it. But the completeness and the glory is not there. You will be complete, son, when you are complete in him. I am begging you as your pastor to tell you, a prayer life, a, a word life. Get to know Jesus Christ. Don't get to know the piano. I thank God for your talent, but I am praying that God takes you to a level spiritually where nothing will separate you from him, where it doesn't matter what's going on in society. Got some pretty young ladies right here. If the Lord tarries long enough, you're gonna have some slick Joes gonna slide up. And I'm not going to take the place of your parents, but you have a vow to me that if the boy isn't good enough for my own daughter, he's not good enough for you either. And I ain't got no problem running them off. Because if they, hear me, because if they could have been run off, they weren't worth it to begin with. That's why you get a hold of Jesus, that the devil can't run it off, that doctrine can't run it off, that political force can't run it off, that whatever's going on in culture can't run it off. Hope this is all right, next gen. Hope it's all right, mom and dad. As I, as I come through the clouds and I see runway 271809, whatever, whatever they still have at Bishop, 9858 Tango was the call sign. Bishop's plane a couple of summers ago, whatever it was. In our text, he said the glory of the latter is going to be greater than the former. What does he mean by the glory is going to be greater? Listen, without just without getting it into too deep a study, just simply the Lord declaring that he saves his best for last. He saves his best for last. You want, to, want me to show you a church that's on their way down when they think their best days are behind them? And, here, and, and you know why? Your best days might be behind you because you've been focused on you. 
But when it comes to the kingdom, the greatest of revelations, the greatest of glory is still yet to come. Pastor, you're always talking about it's ahead of us, it's ahead of us. That's because that's what the book has been saying since it started, since they put pen to parchment. Moses said, it's ahead of you, it's ahead of you, it's ahead of you. Moses said to him, oh, i got to finish here. Moses said to him, I'm talking to you folks. Not only to you that are gathered here, but I'm, I'm talking to the people who are not yet here. I'm talking to the last, I'm talking to every generation from you all the way to the last one. He said, you've seen what God's done. You've seen all these things happen. He said, but God didn't give you eyes to see, and he didn't give you, you don't have eyes to see, you don't have ears to hear, and you can't understand. You don't really know what's going on. You went through it, but you don't see it. And then Isaiah says the same thing. Isaiah says it in his book. You don't have eyes to see, you don't have ears to hear, a heart to understand. And then Paul quotes it in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. As it is written, eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, nor is it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him. And we think that we can't know. But the next scripture says, but the Spirit has revealed them unto us. I'm here to tell you, have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, and you're going to find out that it's in the Spirit where we understand what God really has laid up for us. If you stay in the flesh, you're going to look at the flesh. If you stay in the flesh, you're going to be worried about the banks. You're going to be worried about, and I'm not saying being frivolous. I like having, look at there, a hundo. That doesn't happen very often. I like having it, but I've reached in there and went, uh-oh, even in the drive-thru after I've ordered. It's good to have money right about then. I'm thankful for it, but my hope is not in the flesh of what I can put my hands on. My God owns the gold, he owns the silver, and that's what the scripture says before our text. All the gold's mine, all the silver's mine. Don't worry about that. It's the glory that I want you to focus on. I want you to focus on what I'm fixing to bring into the kingdom. This started with the apostles, but I believe it's going to finish with us. And if you believe you're in that last generation, stand with me. It started with the apostles. I tell you what, I tell you what, it started with the apostles, but it's going to finish with us. That ought to tell you something. God lights every man that came into the world. Do you know there's a book of life? I've said this before across to some people's theology, and that's okay, and if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. God will work it out. It's really not that big of a deal. But God knew, Luke, when you were going to be born. He knew. He foreknew all of it. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. It's talking about the church. It's talking about the way into the church. It's talking about the, 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 the it's talking, excuse me, it's, no, it's, talk, it's talking about the descendants of Abraham, actually. Those who by faith uh, believe in the promise, which is Christ. But there's a reason you weren't born in 1560, and that's not because your mom and dad weren't around. God could have gave you to anybody. And your mom and dad are going, hmm. No, they're not. Your dad might be from time to time, but not mom. Mom never does. You're here for now. You need to wake up every morning and look in the mirror and say, I'm alive right now. And if I'm in the last generation, God started this thing with such power and with such glory.
He started it with the apostles. We look at them, we read them, and we're built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets. And let me say this to our next generation. If we're going to finish this thing right, we are going to finish building on the same foundation that they laid. You cannot lay another one. I want to urge us to understand it's going to finish with us. But the glory, but the glory of it, it's not going to be our talent. It's not going to be in our personal ministry. The glory, all of it will be His glory. If there's any glory that God's going to show, it's going to be Him shown through you. want the glory that is uncorruptible. I want the real glory. We've got people sitting in our building today, I have no doubt, watching online, we listening on the radio, and they need the real deal. They don't need a song set, and I'm thankful that we sing, we do it under the Lord. If we ever stop doing it under the Lord, then we might as well sell bingo tickets. Might be more profitable. Because if we're not going to be in this thing for the souls, then we might as well be in it for the money. <laughs> Some of you didn't like that, but what difference does it make? It's not, I want the real deal. I want the real deal. I can play about him. I can play some notes about him. I can sing some things about him. But oh, I want to know him. I want to know him. Oh, the apostle Paul said that I might know him. That I might know him. I want you to understand, like I said last week, go ahead and do it any way you want to do it. Go ahead and do it any way you want to do it. But I've made up in my mind I'm going to worship the Lord the way that the Bible tells me to worship Him. Go ahead and do it any way you want to do it, but I'm going to look to the owner's manual. Go ahead and do it any way you want to do it, but if you want to get in the kingdom, if you want to be a part of His kingdom, He said you've got to be born again. You have to be born again. You had a natural birth, Nicodemus, but you need a spiritual birth. Because that old creation has no future. There is no future in this life. This life has had its best days behind it. But the kingdom that is in front of us, God's best is yet to come. If you want to be in the kingdom, you've got to be born again. so many ways. We talked about it a couple weeks ago to be born again and how do we go back and, and so on and so forth. We just do what the first church did. We just do. We just did at the first message when they preached at the first, the very first church service, call it that, the very first message that was ever preached when they preached Jesus Christ. They said that God has sent the promise. He sent a way for you to live forever. He has sent a way for you to, to be a part of the kingdom even when you didn't know God. God said if you'll believe. And, and Peter, they said what do we do? And Peter said you repent. That means you are going this way, I'm going the other way. That just simply means I've got a problem Lord, I'm confessing, but I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to surrender to you. And you repent, and the Bible said we are washed. If you need your sins washed away, you wash away in the waters of baptism by faith, trusting that your sins have been forgiven through repentance. You gotta be born again. But you know, listen to me. Let me, let me say this. Listen, let me say this. 
I can get up here and I can give you the hermeneutics. I think this is right about what the Bible says. Repent, be baptized. I can talk through it. I can do all of that stuff to you. And I can tell you the exacts. This is we say in the name of Jesus and we can show it through the word and we can talk the logistics of it. I can preach that all day long. But do you know what it really takes? Just like I can preach to believers and say, this is how you're built up in him. And this is how fruits of the spirit grow. And this is what we got to stay away from. And this is how we further trust the Lord. And this is how you keep walking in the journey. This is how you live by faith. But you know what? You can go through the logistics of all that. But you know what it really takes? You know what it takes, my brother? (laughs) It really just takes a heart that says, the Lord is calling me to something great here. He's calling me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And I may not understand all of it, but can anybody witness with this and they just throw up a hand and say, I want Jesus. You see, if the heart isn't being drawn, then no man can come to him. I wonder if we can raise every hand across this building. You know what God needs today in your response? He doesn't need you to respond to the logistics of it. He wants you to respond in your heart. I wonder if there's somebody in this building out of your heart, you're saying, I want this. I'm going to ask all of our students to come up to the front of the...